Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Thursday, September 30th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Journalist Eric Michael Garcia's new book charts out how the false belief that vaccines cause autism led to distrust of COVID-19 vaccinations. There is this weird now, almost a singularity of conspiracism and uh, sowing of doubt and sowing of all this kind of misinformation. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum will have a conversation with Garcia in just a few minutes. St. Louis County expects to receive nearly $30 million in additional federal rental aid funds. County Executive Sam Page says so far the county has distributed more than $18 million. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. St. Louis County received over 10,000 applications for rental aid and helped over 3,000 households. The county has about $8.5 million left to distribute its first round of federal funds. The money will help people behind in rent avoid eviction. Page says it's important to get the rest of the aid out by the end of the year, so the county will not have to return any funds to the federal government. With 10,000 applications in the pipeline and, and well, thousands left to be processed, Um, We have more applications than we have funds. Page urges people to apply for aid as the county's eviction moratorium ends on Sunday. He says the county should receive the additional money soon. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis area doctors are encouraging people to get their flu shots before the season begins. Lockdowns and mask orders during the pandemic stopped the flu from spreading widely last year. But doctors say more people will be susceptible to the virus in the coming months. Total Access Urgent Care President and Chief Medical Officer Dr. Troy Dinkle says many patients are focusing on coronavirus and forget about other risks. Now they really just want a COVID test and leave. And sometimes we have to say, wait a minute, there's some other dangerous things that can be occurring here. Doctors say it's safe for people who have received the COVID vaccine to get a flu shot as well. Environmental groups in Illinois are pushing for the state to adopt more regulations for a toxic byproduct from burning coal. The state's Pollution Control Board adopted rules in April governing how a company can close a designated coal ash pond. Now, the board is considering regulations for ash that did not make it into a specific pit. Andrew Rain is a civil engineer with Prairie Rivers Network, an environmental organization that works on pollution issues in Illinois. It's complicated because the ash that they've produced changes. They might burn different coal. They've definitely changed treatment technology since they started operating. And The better we clean the air, usually that means it ends up in the ash waste streams. Rain says power plants have used coal ash to fill in or build up the landscape on their properties. He says those practices can cause groundwater pollution long after a coal plant closes. Experts believe a Washington County man convicted of murdering his mother as a teen is innocent. Michael Polite's case is the subject of a new hour-long St. Louis on the Air documentary. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenske reports. Rita Polite was brutally murdered in Hopewell, Missouri in 1998. Advocates have spent more than a decade painstakingly gathering evidence that they say shows her son Michael Polite is innocent. Megan Crane of the MacArthur Justice Center says his attorneys are mindful of the high bar in wrongful conviction cases. So it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't take this long. 
And in other states, it doesn't. But in Missouri, it does. The attorneys plan to ask the Missouri Supreme Court next week to appoint a special master to examine the case. Polite says he will never give up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw punches. I'm going to keep throwing punches. If they, the Supreme Court denies me, I'm going to throw another punch. I'm not going to stop fighting. Polite has spent more than 22 years in custody. I'm Sarah Fenske, St. Louis Public Radio. For decades, American political leaders treated autism as a disease to be eradicated rather than a disability to be accommodated. Perceptions started to change when autistic people argued they should be steering the policy conversation. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum talks with journalist Eric Michael Garcia about his new book, We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation, and how falsehoods around the disability had devastating consequences during the COVID-19 crisis. During a speech made before her first bid for the presidency, then-Senator Hillary Clinton laid out a multi-point plan on providing support to people with autism, a developmental disorder that affects social interaction and communication. Close to the end of her address, Clinton said this. We have to continue our dual efforts. Uh, We have to continue on the track of greater research and understanding so that we can get to a point where we prevent and cure anything along the autism spectrum. As journalist Eric Michael Garcia explains, Clinton's sentiments about curing or eliminating autism were quite mainstream in the 2000s. He noted that Clinton's rival in the Democratic primary, Barack Obama, made similar statements. But in the book, We're Not Broken, Changing the Autism Conversation, Garcia charts out how the discussion around autism eventually shifted, especially when autistic people began to engage in the political process. Politicians are only as good, and elected officials are only as good as the information that gets them. So what has happened is that for a long time, parents and I'd argue they still are, the kind of de facto, they're seen as the de facto experts uh, or researchers or clinicians. And what that does is that dictates what policy is. One of the biggest points in Garcia's book is that autistic people like himself don't need to change, but rather society and policy should be built around them. He says that message started breaking through once younger people came of age when disability rights became more prominent. What really changes is how, when, in 2017, when a lot of autistic self-advocates joined a lot of the other disability rights advocates in protesting the repeal of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, what happened is that gave them a lot of political cachet among Democrats because now they were seen as being the people who were protesting in front of Mitch McConnell's office. They were seen as the people who in many ways saved you know, this landmark piece of Democratic legislation. Garcia stresses that parents often have similar interests to autistic people, but he also adds there's danger when they're dominating the conversation. One particularly egregious example is how many parents of autistic children became convinced that vaccines caused autism. That's the type of false idea that was propelled by people like Andrew Wakefield, a former physician who had a paper on the topic retracted. He did what a lot of conspiracy theorists do. 
he offered a really simplistic solution to a very nuanced and complex answer. And it's also important to remember that up until the 1970s, parents were blamed for autism. Even though people like Wakefield have been roundly discredited, Garcia contends that the ideas he propelled sowed the seeds of misinformation and distrust around the COVID-19 vaccines. There is this weird now, almost a singularity of conspiracism and uh, sowing of doubt and sowing of all this kind of misinformation that I don't think you otherwise would that, that you wouldn't have seen had there not been that initial push in fear. Ultimately, Garcia says things have progressed to a point where autistic people are becoming key members of presidential administrations. And he says political candidates are changing their focus compared to the recent past. You saw Pete Buttigieg in 2020, 2019, you saw him say that we're seeing an increased uh, prominence in autism because more people are open and being more and being more candid about it. That is within a span of 11 years that you see a seismic shift in how political rhetoric has changed. And Garcia is hoping that the change continues as more autistic people like himself articulate what they want from policymakers and American society. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.